Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Evan Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And today, I think we're going to do another ranking of sorts. These are actually my personal favorite episodes. I always enjoy hearing your guys' top five of whatever and, you know, sort of just discussing those. And today, we're going to do another console ranking. So we're going to go through our top five PlayStation 3 games. And I think this one's th- this one's interesting in the fact that I think PS3 really was sort of like a turning point for Sony, right? I would argue that like the first half of the PS3 generation was Sony at its lowest point. And then I think the games that came out on the tail end of the generation sort of define what the company is even to the, to this day, I would argue. So, yeah, I agree with that. I, the PS3 was a weird one, because when, when you picked it, I was like, man, I'm not really a PlayStation guy. Can I do that? But then I remembered, like, I, I had a PS3 in middle school, and I was super into it. Like, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it's a little strange for me, because, like, obviously, you know, I have some third-party games on this list, but most of my third-party gaming was on Xbox 360. So a lot of the games that would potentially be on this list had I played them on PS3 are not on this list, because I play them on 360. So that that's just a sort of interesting note before we kick things off here. That's interesting because I have some third-party games that I first played on PS3 and then later finished on PC, but I feel like they still, I feel like this, I feel like the PS3 still earned those games, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, I, I did kind of not like playing on my PS3 as much as I did my PC. Hey, that may surprise you, but. Um. No, I mean, like. I mean, I didn't really like playing on my PS- PS3 either. Like, I played everything on 360. It's only when, you know, some of the more, some of the exclusives I really became partial to started coming out that I sort of switched to PlayStation and never looked back. Mm. But, uh, yeah, why don't we kick things off? I think uh, all, so before we get started, are we doing, are we all doing in order or just you know hodgepodge mine's in no particular order my my final one is my uh my best of the generation but other than that it's basically no particular order i will be going in order from my number five to my number one but before we get into that uh, i want to go through some honorable mentions and then i'll hand it over to you guys and you guys can talk to your honorable honorable mentions as well my first honorable mention is uncharted 3 drake's deception now I've I've stated my love for the Uncharted series multiple times, and just due to the fact that I didn't want this list to be full of Uncharted, there's only one Uncharted game on my list, and I, I'm sure you guys could guess what it is, but uh, I definitely wanted to shout out Uncharted 3, still have great memories of that game, showing that game to friends and being like, oh my god, this is so cinematic and stuff like that, especially the part where like Drake jumps out of the plane and grabs yeah. the parachute. I, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's such. I I have shown so many people that scene. Like, yeah. Because that scene seriously made me like. Like that was the that scene made me think like wh- you know why do we even have cutscenes anymore like. <laughs> yeah, it, that scene was a total adrenaline rush. Like my yeah. jaw was on the floor. I, I by still the don't think I've played a cinematic a, a scene in a game that can even be compared to that one. Ah uh, yeah, I I don't want to argue against that. That's even in Uncharted Four, which I I liked quite a bit. Yeah, Uncharted Four, I think though was un, un, it intentionally sort of pared back, you know. And some yeah. people didn't like that, but I thought they did it quite well. But yeah, moving on to my next honorable mention, God of War Three. 
Uh, God of War 3 was actually my first God of War game. So I played it without really the context of the first two games, and I just loved it for the sheer spectacle of it. You know, like, I remember showing this, like, I remember inviting a bunch of friends over and playing the intro of the game where you basically, you know, fight and kill Poseidon. And he was just like, he he walks into the into my room and he's like, okay, what movie are we watching? I was like, dude, this is a video game. And he just couldn't believe it, right? Because the intro to God of War 3, I would still argue is the most insane intro to a video game I've ever played, I would say, probably. Like, yeah. the y- y- you guys know what I'm talking about? No, nah, I've never played any God of War game. Okay, yeah. Like, the intro to God of War 3 is absolutely insane. There's, like, a an army of titans, which are, like, giant colossal, you know, deity creatures, versus the Greek pantheon, like Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, etc. And it's just, like, balls-to-the-wall insane action. Uh, to to kick off God of War three, and that that's sort of why it's on my list. Like, the rest of the game is great, but that intro is just something else. Okay, next honorable mention is Journey. Journey, I feel like is the first indie game that I played that really sort of made me sit back and go, "Wow, these like you know games can come in any shape or form or size and still be incredible experiences." Journey is only like a one and a half hour, maybe two, if you really push it, hour experience. But it is such a special and precious experience, I think. And I think it things with asynchronous multiplayer that was that were very innovative at the time. And, you know, all of that coupled with the beautiful score, it was just such a moving experience. Okay, next, Little Big Planet. So Little Big Planet, Lowest? obviously. Or that's an honorable mention? Yeah, honorable mention for me. Little Big Planet for me was a very fun, you know, platformer slash level creation tool. And I thought, you know, it was very innovative in what it did. Uh, but personally, to me, I wouldn't put it in my top five. Wow. Yeah. Disgusting. What? Is that your number one or something? We'll find out, won't we? Um, and then my final honorable mention is Infamous 2. So I really enjoyed the Infamous series, especially Infamous 2, I think, is the my favorite Infamous game, even counting the PlayStation 4 entry. I think that game really sort of solidified what a superhero game should be back when we really didn't get too many superhero games. Obviously, now we have like the gold standards like the Batman Arkham series and Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. But, like, as far as an original IP superhero game goes, Infamous was really quite special to me. And those are my honorable mentions. Uh, Connor, you want to do yours? Uh, I don't have any honorable mentions. I just have my five. I didn't have time to prepare for this. Okay. Uh, Mike, do you have any? I don't have any honorable mentions. Wow. I mean, really? I guess I'll, I'll honorable okay. mention Call of Duty Black Ops because it was the only Call of Duty game I ever bought. And I played it some. And it, like, was part of my PS3 experience, but I don't like it, and I'm never going to play it again. (laughs) Then it shouldn't be on your honorable mention list. I didn't play that many PS3 games. I like the PS3. I love the games I played, but I really didn't play that many. And that that was an important one, just not one I enjoyed that much. Okay. So my number five is Dragon Age Origins. So this is a multi-platform game. I played it on PS3. And this was my, I think, first Bioware game. So I played this before any Mass Effect or anything. Obviously, I didn't play Bioware's older titles because I had garbage taste when I was younger. But 
this game really sort of turned me on to the concept of like a like a deep lengthy bioware rpg and i re- i've played it and replayed it countless times and i remember this game being a staple amongst like my high school friends like we'd always talk about like this game the different choices we made the different characters we interacted with and like all this different these different things and I, I don't know. It's still to this day, this game holds a special place in my heart. I can recall sections of it vividly. Uh, I remember going into the Fade, and I remember, you know, fighting the Archdemon, all these generic-sounding fantasy things. But at the time, like, I thought it was pretty. It was a pretty special experience. Uh, ha- have either of you tried playing Dragon Age? Gotten into the I series have. at all? No. Uh, actually, have I tried it? Yes, I got it for free on Origin. I think. Hmm. And uh, didn't care for it. I played about an hour and uh, oh, I was not Dragon Age Origins. was not interested. I don't really care for uh, Bioware RPGs. They're just not really to my tastes. Mike, you said you played it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I thought like especially at the time, like I I feel like if I had played Mass Effect first, then maybe it wouldn't have hit me as strongly. But like this was my first Bioware RPG, and I was just completely enthralled by it. So that's my number five. Uh, Connor? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to open with... Uh, see, my, mine are in no particular order, and this is a, a game that I like a whole lot, but I, I'm saying it first because PlayStation 3 is only where I first played it, not really where it hit its stride for me. But uh, Dark Souls. Uh, that my, my first Dark Souls experience was on PS3, and that's one of my favorite games of all time. But it's not one of my favorite PS3 games of all time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, obviously, you know, we, we've talked about Dark Souls on the podcast before. It's amazing. It's a masterpiece. It's best experienced on PC. Or, or uh, the remasters on uh, future consoles. Yeah, especially, you know, I think back to, like, Blight Town on console. And it was just a miserable experience, you know. Getting, like, sub-20 FPS. Uh, yeah, I never actually got that far on my PS3. I, uh... Lucky I, you. Yeah, so I didn't get very far into the game at all. I was, uh... Not great at it, is the thing. Uh, you know, because I was, I was pretty young. What was that, 2011? So, yeah. Didn't yeah. do great. But, uh, I did love it. Yeah, you've, you've always said the favorite part of the Souls games to you was was the world and the lore right yeah and dark souls one is the only one that but uh, worldwide the lore was great in all of them i think even dark souls 2 but uh i think they only really got the world right in dark souls one i would argue dark souls one and bloodborne have the best world i still haven't made it far enough into bloodborne to tell you but I, one of these days <laughs> yeah I, I, that's kind of surprising to me connor i think you'd really really like bloodborne if you went through it I just have to, like, buckle down, you know, Souls games, you really have to buckle down and be ready to really get into them, and I haven't. Yeah, that's, haven't not, yeah, that's not a game you can play, like, casually at all. You're going to be, like, anxiety-ridden the whole time. Okay, uh, Mike? So, my my first game on the list is actually Little Big Planet 2. I, I feel like Little Big Planet got snubbed, although it was the weaker of the series. Because two was really yeah. Good. I mean, two was just Little Big Planet, but better. But yeah, they it took really everything that made Little Big Planet good. There's there's one thing that Little Big Planet do. 
the, the smallest thing about Little Big Planet 2 that was in Little Big Planet 1, you had to buy like the Pirates of the Caribbean DLC or something in Little Big Planet 1 to get water, which is like such an important feature to lock <laughs> behind a DLC. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always remember the Little Big Planet games just being like laden with like obscene amounts of like not just DLC but like costumes and cosmetics and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean it was like the perfect playground for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I never thought that you needed any of them to enjoy the game, but I had I had the Pirates of the Caribbean one cuz I wanted that water. And I think Little Big Planet 2 was like the apex of the franchise, right? Yeah, that was like the a best lot of people one. Well, I, Little Big Planet Vita was pretty good. Uh Little Big Planet Vita came out the series was kind of dead by the time it came out, dead or dying. But it was just Little Big Planet 2 on the go with a couple touchscreen gimmicks. I really liked it. Yeah. Little Big Planet 2 was like the peak. Largely because it added all the features that we know and love, and it allowed game creation to be a lot deeper with its logic. Yeah, I, that's an interesting... Did you guys ever, like, make levels and stuff? I did. Because I, I, did. Always, I always just played it. I never actually got into the creation aspect of it. I made some levels. I liked doing uh, minor changes to other people sometimes. Like, yeah, I I, I love Little Big Planet. Yeah, I loved the game. A lot of fun. Had a lot of good memories of playing it. So it definitely takes a place on my list. That and some of the mechanics of that game were just great. Yeah, and and, and in defense of my comment earlier, Connor, like, like a, there's a lot of PS3 games I hold dear, and Little Big Planet just barely didn't make the list but if this was a top 10 list it would certainly be on there yeah uh okay uh i can move on to my number four so my number four favorite playstation 3 game is the last of us so i was not expected to be that low on your list (laughs) so i've you know like everyone knows how i love the last of Us series um this game, Naughty Dog, really sort of came in and just set the groundwork for what narratives could be in video games. Um, but I will say, though, like I I have said on this podcast before, I really, really like The Last of Us. It didn't blow me away the way The Last of Us Part 2 did. So, I, you know, it's not my favorite PS3 game, but it's definitely up, up there. And... Yeah. I, you know, like, I still remember, you know, 2013, I think, is when I got this game, and uh, just marathoning it, and just sort of, you know, I feel like maybe if I was older, when I played this game, it'd be higher on my list, but at the age I was, I was really into the story, but, like, obviously, like, I was more impressed at the time by, like, Nathan Drake, and, like, that sort of, you know, bombastic, high-key storytelling, as opposed to the very subtle stuff that happens in the last of us but you know going back over the years and replaying it like it it still holds up completely granted the gameplay isn't as strong as you know when i first played it because it's aged but like the story is still as great as it was ever was and so are the interactions between the characters especially ellie and joel so yeah that's why it's number four on my list yeah that's fair I can see it. So that's a good game. Uh, I'll do my next game, I suppose. Uh, I gotta go Mod Nation Racers, I think. Um, 
that was a it was a game it was another media molecule game uh they're getting they're getting a lot of love on my list uh but i just i don't know it's something a, a kart racer where you can make your own track was something that i feel like hasn't been attempted a whole lot and i think they did a, a really good job all considered like i remember a ton of themed tracks and stuff i don't actually think a ton of people played this game though yeah it really yeah, didn't I, go big you know it's it's funny so i i've definitely heard of this game before and when you when when you bring it up i get some images in my mind but like it's funny because like the whole like every franchise becomes a kart racer thing was definitely kind of like a product of the ps2 era and you didn't really see that too much in the in, in the ps3 era yeah but we we did get something we did i think we did get little big planet karting right yeah it was not until ps4 though uh oh really is, okay yeah sure just kind of yeah i don't think i don't think little big planet karting was on ps3 uh but i know um mod nation racers was well before little big planet karting and it was a a fairly bold attempt to make a kart racer without already having an established IP, you know? Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't think that's even doable, to be perfectly frank with you. Like, I don't think... In, in terms of, like, financial success, I feel like that's not feasible. It did not work for them. So, yeah. <laughs> there's that. You know, I I remember, like, people are always jokingly, like, messaging Naughty Dog saying that they should make Uncarded. Because they did make, like, Jack X, which was... So goofy, but also so much fun. Yeah, the only I, kart races I know it's canon. Yeah, it was canon. That's wild too. Yeah, Mod Nation Racers. What I'm I'm assuming there was online play, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. that was why. So they made a, a Mod Nation Racers. I don't remember if it was for the Vita or or what, but it. It, it did not have online play. You could share your tracks and everything, but there was no online. And, like, yeah. I didn't get it. Like, why Yeah, I mean, I... back then especially, it's interesting because we're seeing kind of a bounce back from it now. But back then, like, since online was the new hotness, like, all the most popular games were online multiplayer games. <clears throat> you know, especially you, you got your Call of Duties and your Halos around that time. And, you know, now we're seeing kind of a pullback where we see really popular you know, single-player games again, and, and multiplayer. It's kind of like a mix now, but, like, back then, it definitely skewed in the direction of, like, if your game didn't have multiplayer, like, you know, the investors at, you know, paying for your game or whatever would not see value in it, which is why we saw so many games have tacked on multiplayer, like Bioshock multiplayer and Mass Effect multiplayer and stuff like that. Yeah, but to see a kart racer without multiplayer... Yeah, that's that's silly. <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. I mean, Mario Kart DS had online multiplayer. So you're going to hit me with a... But this is just the Vita version, right? You're saying the PS3 version did have multiplayer? It did, yes. Okay. But, like, that's not enough. Like, <laughs> you know, I what? who was going to play this kart racer on handheld that did not have, like, that Nintendo managed to beat out in online feature-wise. But, like, yeah, the original one was super fun, had online play, online cart sol- or online uh, level sharing and everything. You know, it, it was just Little Big Planet as a kart racer, and it was fine. It was amazing. Yeah, and I'd, I'd even extend that argument to, to who would play a kart racer that's not Mario Kart. Like, let's be honest, Mario Kart no. dominated, so- Sonic, dominated um, that Sonic Racing, or Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed or whatever... 
That's pretty yeah. fun. I have played that quite a bit, actually. But well, like, I'm yeah. not I'm not going to sit here and say that Mario has a monopoly on kart racers, but you have to at least have the Mario Kart like. I don't know. Just if if you've let Nintendo beat you out on online functionality, you have failed in every imaginable yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. But you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the PS3 game, which was good, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it because it was just a good kart racer. Okay. The, the the items were a little uninspired. I'll say that. Like you got to do better than just a rocket launcher. Was so. that just like a red shell? Yeah, basically, except it flew through the air, so it like wasn't as dodgeable. Ah, okay. Which made it was just red shells, but worse, kind of. <laughs> Mario Kart, but worse, is a common theme in uh kart racers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, I would yeah. argue all of them are like that, but. Yeah. Uh, Mike. All right, Metal Gear Solid Four is my next thing on my little list here. Awesome. Honestly, like. If I were to rank this, I think Metal Gear Solid 4 would be somewhere to the top, but I didn't want to rank it. I I played the game at least three, two, three times through back when I had it. It was just that fun and that enjoyable an experience to play through that many times. Had a lot of cutscenes, though. I... At the yeah. time, didn't have a record for... Metal Gear Solid game with a lot of cutscenes? Are you sure? Okay. Hours. Yeah, this but is the like first one four, a lot of four took it to such an extreme. It's four like absurd. I know. I thought yeah. I thought I had beat Metal Gear Solid Four. The cutscene was so long. I thought it was like an ending reward, and I was like, this game was really short. Yeah, you were like you're like watching a movie most of the time. Kojima yeah, but, is an absolute madman, and I love it. He is. Yeah, I love it less than you, but I, I do think it's hilarious. Like you just had the opportunity to just sit there and. Watch a cutscene for a couple hours, really. Yeah, and I was totally here for it. Like, yeah. I I loved it. The game was fun. It had that whole microwave sequence. Yeah. That's such an iconic moment, too. I never did beat it. I still, like, mean to. It's the only Metal Gear Solid game I own. Or no, I have Metal Gear Solid uh, Naked Snake. The one with Naked Snake. Yeah, that's, that's five. Th- no. Oh, no, that's three, sorry. Yeah, I have three, yeah. Five is, like, Punish Snake or some nonsense. Yeah, five is Venom Snake. Venom Snake? Venom yeah. Snake, yeah. Venom Pain Snake. I, I had five, but I returned it. I'm not a big Kojima guy. But I really want to beat uh, three and four, since I have them anyway. Yeah, I just have five lying around that I need to finish. Yeah, it's unfortunate what happened with five. It's essentially an unfinished game because of how Konami treated Kojima, but that's a different discussion. Uh, what's your number three? My number three is Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. That's so it's all the same familiar. number three. Same, yeah. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, so just the name alone should tell you everything you need to know about that game, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it is, really does. This Dude, is just th- an excuse to talk about Metal Gear more, not going to lie. No, this game, like, I, okay, let me tell you how crazy I am. Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots was my first Metal Gear game. Me too. It was my really? second. Okay, so I'm not as crazy as I thought. But like I'm I'm saying that because at that point there's such a complex web of nonsense that you have to untangle to even remotely like understand what's happening in the Metal Gear story. 
Which is why I never did. Yeah, like, you know, and that's why I didn't either. I was just along for the ride, and I and I love the ride. But it's it's just funny to me, like, if anyone's jumping in point is Metal Gear Solid 4, like, you cannot hope to have any sort of deep understanding of what's happening. Or like, understanding in general, deep or not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, that game, I, I've played it so many times, I can't even count. Like, I remember just replaying it over and over and over. I'd never played anything like it at the time. And, like, the, we'd have, like, these 20-minute long cutscenes that were essentially just PowerPoint presentations where he showed you various diagrams and charts, and I was all here for it. I was totally eating up whatever nonsense Kojima was feeding me. Really? Yeah. And, like... I, I got to the first, like, several-hour cutscene thing... And I walked away. So, no, I'm not even talking about the long cutscenes. This is, like, th- these are, like, the info dumps, right? Like, there are parts in the game where, like, you literally just get presented with, like, diagrams and charts for, I like, a minute. I never time. made it that far, I yeah. guess. I, that's not familiar to me at all. No, that's, that's totally a thing. And going to the cutscenes, the first time I got to, like, the hour-long cutscene... I was so into it. I thought it was just so bold and awesome for this guy to essentially insert, like, multiple movies into his game. Like, I had never seen anything like it before, and I was so on board. And, like, the cutscenes were the most insane things. Like, I think back to... Okay, I guess I'm going to spoil Metal Gear 4 now. But, like, I think back to, you know, like... uh, Ocelot activating the guns of the Patriots thing, like secretly revealing their like nano machines and everyone's guns, and he can control all the weapons in the world and nonsense like that, or like Raiden like fighting Metal Gear Rex and like stopping like a ship from crashing into the island with like his bare hands, or like Raiden uh, fighting off like an army with like no arms and just a sword in his mouth. You know that whole vamp fight was pretty good too. Yeah, the vamp fight was ins- that was the yeah like that was like like. Metal Gear Iconic. 4, like, it's it, it's so absurd. Like, it switches seamlessly between, like, complex, like, espionage war plot and anime nonsense. Yeah. It's like, it, it bounces... Ex- yeah, sorry. Expertly crafted in terms of how Kojima just goes from, yeah, this is super serious, to, oh, yeah, this girl's making eggs while a cyborg ninja fights an entire... Uh, it- Army. Well, a cyborg ninja fights an immortal vampire. Why is he a vampire? Why is he immortal? I'm sure there's a reason. I have no idea. But vampire, it's also, vampirism and immortality are clearly related. But yeah, but I'll, like, I'll let that one slide. But like, why is there a vampire in this game in the first place? I guess some sort of scientific ex- experiment gone wrong. Nano machines. Nano machines. That's I think it's like, nano machines. You know, that's a meme. But like, that really is the explanation to everything in Metal Gear Four. And Anything then, like, in the Metal Gear universe is either nanomachines or it's a clone. And, you know, like, the, the ending of that game where you're Snake crawling through the microwave, and then you fight uh, Ocelot, and then, like, or you fight Liquid, right? Like, it's supposed to be Liquid, but then, like, you have that, like, fist fight with him, and it, like, turns into a fighting game for a quick sec. And then, like, you beat him, and then he sort of reveals he's also, he was Ocelot the whole time pretending to be liquid and like everything was just like 3d chess nonsense. And I don't even know. It was yeah. awesome. I don't understand it, but it's still awesome. And I still support it. Yeah. It's, 
you just said you were gonna spoil this game, but nothing you've said just now like actually means you, enough to me. Yeah, I know. Like those are actual major spoilers from the game, but like again, you know, nonsense. Yeah, like none of that meant anything to me. Like I, I could go pick up that game now and be just as lost as I was before. And then like the the virus that was like making Snake all old at the end, like he's gonna kill himself just... before it takes over his body. But then like the old snake from the previous games appears and it's like big boss I was appears. yeah, That's big boss appears and he was like I was actually alive the whole time. And the this is the, the actual plot the whole time. Snake. Yeah. But like Big Boss is only in three. Dude, like there are four or five times in that game where a new character appears and be and goes like, Hey, the entire plot up to this point was actually like this or like actually part of my plan. And the it's just the most psyop. silly thing. Like like to the very end, like literally to the very end of the game, like we got we have Big Boss appearing being like, Hey, the entire plot up to now was nonsense. Here's what actually happened. Like You're Kojima, unfiltered. It's, yeah. It's it's ridiculous, you know, and that was Kojima when he was working for someone, you know, just yeah. imagine what Death Stranding is like, you know, just I don't have I mean, to. I've, I've seen the stupid Princess Peach scene. Yeah, to to an extent, you do need to restrain Kojima at times or else he's just going to go off the wall. I agree. He's I, I, say I think Mario and Princess Beach. I, I, I really think. Metal Gear 4 is his best game. I like it way yeah. better than Death Stranding. You and you have to like constrain his creative genius or else nothing's going to get done. Yeah. That's uh, the case of a lot of people like Kojima. But yeah, like Metal Gear 4, like what an achievement. Like it I I don't think it, there was never a game like it before it and I still don't think after it there's a game quite like it still. You know, like you don't really have games with these like hour long cutscenes. Like, with these diagrams and charts thrown at you. Like, no one else has the audacity to do something like that. That yeah. is true. And that's fine. I, I, I <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I, I no. can't, for the life of me, I don't want to play another Metal Gear Solid 4. That's what I'm saying. Like... <laughs> It's just that kind of game. You want you want to play the first one, and then you never want to touch another game like it ever again. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a game like unless Kojima makes it, no no game can really replicate what the feel of playing Metal Gear Four is like. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's the end of my rant. Yeah, Metal Gear Four absolutely balls to the wall, insane. That's why it's my number three. Connor. Uh, yeah, um, mine is gonna have to be, uh, yeah, we're up to Transformers War for Cybertron. You're a degenerate. I love that fucking game. Uh, that is probably my second most played PS3 game. Uh, and it's a good game. It is a very good video game. Uh, it's, it's probably, to this day, maybe not the best... Um, maybe not the best shooter I've played, but probably the most interesting. So it's like a, it's a Transformers game, right? So is it kind of like a mecha game? No, not really. It's just a, it's it's a third person shooter where sometimes you turn into a car or a jet or something. It's really okay. not super deep, like, but the the online multiplayer, like the fact that you could just 
like be a be a sniper that could turn into a jet and fly up to like a sniping position and then just pick people off was so fun that does sound fun it's just i don't know like when as soon as you said play it? like were you no were you i I, saying, I haven't i haven't played it but like as soon oh, as you said transformers this was like i was just like what this was back when like licensed games started getting good this was around batman arkham and this like okay. this, it got a sequel it got a sequel called fall of cybertron that was supposedly even better but i never played it interesting uh, yeah no, yeah, I'm not I don't know, like, here, like nostalgia-ing. This was actually a very good game. That that's really funny. Yeah. It, Transformers, for me, was never interesting to me. Like, I don't know. Like, that sounds like something that would be up my alley, but I just always found it quite boring. But, like... I'm not, I'm not into Transformers a, either. I got this game for the yeah. gameplay. Like, yeah, that's, I don't... Uh, you know, on yeah. a surface level, that you, you sound absolutely insane, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, it yeah. had a really cool aesthetic. It, uh just i don't know and it was cool to have a transformers game that didn't take place on earth this was all on cybertron which was like i don't know it it did that i think in large part to separate itself from the movies because it did have nothing to do with the the michael bay movies that's good this was a transformers thing not a michael bay transformers thing yeah the less it has to do with that the better agreed so yeah it was just really fun i i actually didn't play the online a too terribly much uh but the campaign was really fun (laughs) like it was just a good video game i uh that's why it's so hot i i mean my my list isn't ordered but if it was this would be pretty high on my list (laughs) god i mean i can't really make fun of you like we all have our our unique tastes not that unique a lot of people liked this game i've thought about rebuying it on pc do you think the online community is still there? I just play the campaign. Yeah. With better graphics. Yeah. No, I, I guarantee the online community is not there. It's a Transformers game. But <laughs> plus there was a sequel that was apparently better in every way. Mm, yeah. All right, Mike. Um, my next one is actually a launch title. Uh, Resistance Fall of Man. Ah, oh, great pick. Yeah. I have never um, even heard of that game. Honestly, I never actually completed the game solo. It's just really difficult, if I remember correctly. But it's one of those games that spawned three games, and I just stopped making it. Yeah, I mean, there's still like a cult of really dedicated Resistance fans yeah, like, was, that are that are hounding Insomniac to I like want come back. Game. Yeah. You know, like it's. I think this is the first time, like Insomniac, first and only time, right? Like they delved into like FPS territory. Yeah, it was the first time they did an FPS, and it worked really well. Honestly, the second game was good. The first game was stellar. The third game was also really good. I mean, Insomniac just never really has bad games they just yeah, don't they, make bad games they just they, don't. they've made a conscious decision to make good video games <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i don't think insomniac's ever made like a a terrible game they've made some off picks but it hasn't been like oh god this game's trash yeah yeah resistance yeah like for for me like i played a lot of ps3 exclusives right but resistance for me like i played it a little bit but at that time at that age i was just so much more interested in like 
Call of Duty and Halo, so I never really gave it the the fair shake, I think. But like I I remember it being quite fun, like the campaign at least and and like the weapons having that signature sort of insomniac sort of flair to them. They weren't just your standard weapons, right? Like they had insomniac-esque uh like quirks to them. Yeah. It's like if you took like some of the weird quirks from Ratchet and Clank and then threw it into make a it more gritty and realistic. Setting, yeah. And that's resistance. Because I think like resistance is like the darkest tone Insomniac's ever gone for in a video game, right? Like those games were rated M. Yes, I think. I don't remember, but I think they were. Yeah. It was just one of those games that you play and you're like, oh god. This is kinda good. <laughs> it starts off rough because you don't have any of the features you get later in the game, but yeah, and I th- yeah. I think, you know, like, it, obviously it was popular enough for them to make, like, two more games, but I, the reason I don't think it ever caught on, like, you know, some of the other FPS games is because at that time, everyone was making FPS titles. You know, there were so many, like, both both first parties were making them, you know, third parties were pumping them out like crazy. So, like, and they were all brown. It was yeah, very they were all, like, brown and beige. Brown. Yeah, that was the Which era of, like, un- the beige shooter. Fortunate because Resistance Two was not as brown as Resistance One. Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, that's that's probably a big part of the reason I never played this was because I like hated shooters at the time. I thought that they were brown and boring, and so I just avoided them. They were really were like taking over the world, you know, in in, in that time frame, like late two thousands, early twenty tens. Like that's that's what gaming was for for a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, was not a fan personally. Uh, you know. I mean, I I was pretty much all my FPS gaming was taken up by Halo Three and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Like, played those Mine games to death. Mine was Resistance Two uh, co-op, pretty much. Yeah. No, I'm 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 glad Resistance made it onto one of our lists. I think that game definitely deserves a shout out. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I, I'm probably never going to play that game. <laughs> I hope they do like a remaster and throw it on one of the newer, you know, like PS4, PS5. But I don't know how likely that is, especially with Spider-Man blowing up for Insomniac and them working on Ratchet as well. You know, they've they've got their hands full. Yeah. Okay, I will move on to my number two, which should not be a surprise to anyone. Dark Souls. Okay, yeah. So it, dark, it fits the yeah. Dark Souls. I played the entirety of this game on PS3. The hideous frame rate in Black. I, I expected included. you to have played this on 360. That's why I didn't expect it on your list. Yeah, no, I. It, it's funny. So like, I bought Skyrim on 360, and I bought uh, Dark Souls on PS3. So hmm. for whatever reason, that's how I decided to do it when I was in 12th grade or 11th grade. I think grade you made the right call because I think Blight Town was worse on 360 than it was on uh. Yeah, maybe I did research on that, or maybe not. I don't remember. I do seem to remember, you know, going in blind. Like I, I, all I knew was that this game was getting like praised, like, and I didn't really know what it was or anything like that. And you know, that's sort of my favorite sort of game purchase, right? You can't really do that anymore today because you're just inundated with so much information. But like, that's what I did for Uncharted: Drake's Fortune, like the first Uncharted game. Like, I just saw it was Naughty Dog, and I love Jack and Daxter, so I bought that game and. That really sort of opened my world to like 
Uncharted and that style of game. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I did a similar thing here with Dark Souls, and, like, I've, I've said this before on the show as well, but, like, I fully went in expecting, you know, obviously I still love Skyrim to this day. Like, I played the crap out of Skyrim when I got it. But, like, Dark Souls completely outshone Skyrim. Like, and I did not see that coming, right? Like, at Skyrim, everyone was waiting for that game. It was, like, the second coming of Jesus. It still sort of is, because, like, everyone still talks about it, like, decades later. I mean, Microsoft paid, like, billions of dollars to own yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But but for me, this game I had never heard of before, you know, just so enraptured me in a way I did not think was possible. And sort of, you know, and, and we all know, like, Demon Souls was the first, but Dark Souls is what made that genre. Oh, right? yeah. Souls, Souls started with uh, Dark Souls. Yeah. yeah. So Dark Souls created its own genre, a genre that's alive and healthy today and stronger than ever, I would argue. Uh, and, and Dark Souls was what sort of catapulted from software into legendary status, I think. Like, yeah. I, it's from software, if you ask me today, is easily one of the top five, if not top three developers in the world. Like, I, no hesitation calling them that. Um, their, their level design and lore is just on another level. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, uh, yeah, and, and in terms of difficulty, this was the first time I played a game quite like this, right? Like, punishingly hard, but, like, it didn't phase me too much because, like, I was totally okay with failing over and over until I learned. And that mentality stuck with me, you know, into the sequels to Dark Souls 2, 3, Bloodborne, and Sekiro. And ultimately, that's just, that's sort of ingrained into me. It's just the way I play games now, you know, like... If I if I come across a challenge that's too hard, I never lower the difficulty. I just sort of figure a way around it. Yeah. And uh, I think that sort of mentality started with Dark Souls. I think that that's a good mentality sometimes. I think that there are games I have played where I have insisted on playing on whatever difficulty I chose in the beginning, and that was a mistake. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. It can be a double-edged sword because, like, I stubbornly bash my head against things and get very angry sometimes, and I refuse to, you know... Turn the difficulty down. Like Same I, for sure. I played, you know, so God of War 2018 on PS4, right? There, it has like a secret final boss, and I guess it's not really spoilers, but like, you can fight like the Valkyrie Queen, and it's considered by many to be one of the toughest bosses of like the PlayStation 4, Xbox One era. Like, it's right up there with like From Software's hardest bosses, and I played that boss fight for the first time on hard, and I would not go down to normal. <laughs> And it took several hours, but I did it. And I don't think I would have done it if I had not played Dark Souls all those years ago. Yeah, probably not. For whatever it did definitely, I mean, Dark Souls has definitely made me feel like there's not a game out there that I can't beat given enough time. Yeah, and, and I guess it depends on the game too, right? But Because like Dark Souls, for all the flack it gets about difficulty, it really truly does teach you how to play it, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm very much of the opinion that anyone can pick up and play Dark Souls. You I know? agree with that, yeah. So, like, I hear all the time, like, from some of my friends, you know, like, those games aren't for me. I don't want to play something impossibly hard. I'm like, it's really not impossibly hard. It really does teach you how... It you it just teaches you its own way to play the game. Yeah, it certainly doesn't hold your hand or anything, but it no, does it, give it you doesn't. everything no, it you need. It doesn't give you waypoints, it doesn't give you missions, it doesn't give you any of that, but... Actually, like there are just, some instances where I feel like Dark Souls misses the mark a little bit, 
Um, like, I, I think that there are for sure moments in Dark Souls where you not only don't have waypoints, but just have no feasible way to know where you should go. I, yeah, I would agree, like, near the beginning, maybe, like, when you open up, like, you could go to New Londo Ruins, you could go, you know, to the Undead Burg, you could go to a bunch of places, but, like, I feel like even there, the game's does a decent job of informing you, okay, you go to this area, the enemies here are impossibly strong, so maybe there's a different area you should go to first. Obviously, that's not, you know, it's not 100% intuitive, because games modern games at least really sort of map out the path you should take but dark souls does convey that to you in its own way what got me in dark souls was um at the very beginning i beat a boss i can't quite remember where i think it was the gaping dragon and dark souls had not at this point taught me to read item descriptions really Mm -hmm. like that had that had been like a thing you could do, but not, like, something you absolutely had to do to beat the game. But the item description on that key is the only thing that tells you how to progress. And that just never even occurred to me. I had just assumed it was going to say, it's a key. And I that that was why I never beat Dark Souls on PS3. It was because I never did get past that part until yeah. I played it on PC years later. I mean, yeah, like... But the thing is, like, once you play one Dark Souls, like, once you play one Souls game, like, all the way through, you can play any Souls game, right? Like, you can play any From Software game, because, like, you sort of pass the test, as it were, if you play one of those games. You know how these games expect you to pay attention and look for yourself and not rely on, like, game developer-driven, like, points of, here's what you should do, here's where you should go next. All of that's available to you if you if you pay attention and sort of look for yourself. And I, I really respect that about game design from 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 software. Yeah, and, I um I I've heard a lot of people like I know, I know the discourse about difficulty in FromSoft games. I'm familiar and all, but I don't really agree with the idea that there should be an easy mode in Dark Souls. I, I'm pretty against it. Not because games shouldn't have an easy mode, but those in particular, like, the the sense of accomplishment is so important. And, like, if a game has an easy mode, I'm going to find myself thinking, like, why am I not, you know, it's there. Why not use it? Yeah. I'm pretty staunchly against Dark Souls easy mode. No, I I definitely think that would, uh, you know, go against the philosophy of the game. Or, you know, you have one director's singular vision and that would definitely sort of dilute that i think but yeah i've ranted we've ranted on dark souls before in the past i think that was my number one game of the last decade when we did our top like five or ten games of you know the 2010s so yeah yeah like obviously love dark souls we'll always love dark souls and we'll always recognize the impact it had on the gaming industry even to this day so number two is dark souls all right. Uh, that that puts us on me. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mine's Uncharted. The whole series. I I the whole. I series. can't really pick one. I really really or or the one through three. You know the ones on PS3. Yeah. Uh, I because I I would have put uh, <clears throat> controversially I would have put Uncharted three before Uncharted two. I totally respect that decision. Well, I like, played it first. Yeah. No, I, uh, I no. That's a very important point. I totally th- like all the people 
were outraged when like you know people were giving 10 out of 10s to uncharted 3 as well because like as uncharted 2 and like there's no way it's anywhere close to as good as uncharted 2 i would 100 percent argue if you played uncharted 3 before 2 like uncharted 3 would be your favorite yeah the, two, the problem yeah. is uncharted 3 is exactly as good as uncharted 2 because it it's very much the same game with a different story like, yeah and that's totally fine, I think. Like, what those games do, they do so well. Like, Yeah, I've got no complaints. I, I would yeah. still, you know, play either of them in a heartbeat, but Uncharted 3 is, is more nostalgic for me. And I, I think it's insane, Naughty Dog's ability to, like, both tell a meaningful story. I, I played Uncharted 1, then Uncharted uh, 3, and then Uncharted 2, mm-hmm. and... While the story in Uncharted 2 was amazing and significant, nothing happened that, like, made me not understand Uncharted 3, you know? Yeah. Like, all the character relationships were totally clear to me. All the history, you, you know? might have been slightly confused when, like, Chloe showed up, but... In, in yeah, three. well, they, they introduced her as though she was a new character, so I was just like, oh, okay. Because yeah. that, that one dude was a new character, wasn't he? And they introduced him and Chloe in, like, the same scene. Yeah, the the bigger dude. So like, I was just like, oh, cool. This is my this is my merry band of men in this game. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah. love these games. It it really does. The Uncharted series really did play because I played both two and three. They were almost on my list, but I figured everyone else would talk about them, so I decided not to. Fair. Like, yeah. it's on my little list. I have up my second monitor, but. It has a little question mark next to it because I figured everyone else would talk about it. Uh, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, come on, like, everyone loves Uncharted. Like, it's just so lovable. Like, I know that's a weird thing to say, but it's just not just the characters, right? Like, it, the characters are super charming, but just like the experience as a whole, you know, like the rush of like the treasure hunt. I think they capture so well. Sure. It's an amazing game, and I cannot get enough of it. I, I've been thinking about replaying the series because they gave it uh, they gave it out for free to people during the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah, on PS4. Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember HD. that. Yeah, yeah. So that's my number two. Uncharted series in 60 FPS on PS4. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I just have right. to actually touch my PS4, which I do not do very often. Play Bloodborne. No. Okay. Uh Mike, what's your number two? Alright, my, my number two is actually Killzone two. It's great. Yeah. M- more of a pickup of a game I played a lot and played the crap out of rather than a game that was just like iconic of the generation because I'd argue Killzone three was a game that was bigger, I guess. I don't know, I didn't play three. I only played two and the PS4 launch title. But Killzone 2 was just one of those games where I had hours of enjoyment just getting on multiplayer and just murking people. Yeah, I, I, I generally don't get that anymore. But Killzone 2 just, just had it for me. I always remember Killzone as the series with like the absurdly pretty graphics. You know, like yeah. those games always looked really good. Um it never looks bad. Yeah, and I, I remember there was even, like, a controversy at, like, E3 once. I don't remember if it was, like, Killzone 2 or Killzone 3, but, like, they showed footage 
of like the Killzone game, and it just looked ludicrously good. Like there was no way it was real, and it turned out it totally wasn't real when the real game came came out. But like those d- games do look quite good, and yeah, I I remember like we 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 mentioned earlier in the show like this was the era of like the FPS. We had so many FPS games, and like Killzone, I think they it did its job well. I don't know if it was ever more popular than Resistance. I can't. I don't know which of those t- series is bigger, but like. I mean, it got a next gen port. It did. Yeah, it got Killzone Four on PS4, right? Uh, Shadowfall. Shadowfall. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it wasn't um, a launch title, so it wasn't as good. But yeah, it didn't like look the, next gen. The gameplay in the Killzone games always felt. Uh, what's the word? Like it felt like weighty to me, right? Like. It felt like slower and heavier than other FPS games I'm used to, but the like they were good. Everything felt like it had like power to it. I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. No, but... no. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And it, it was a really unique feel, right? Because I don't remember any other FPS at the time feeling like that, which might have been to its detriment because like people were really used to like the quick gameplay of Call of Duty and stuff like that, which is why I think those games, well, part of why those games were so good and so popular. But like Killzone, yeah, definitely like one of the the unique PS3 era shooters. And I, it's kind of sad, right? Like I don't think they're gonna make any more Killzone games because Guerrilla Games is now working on Horizon, which is obviously their next big thing. And I think they're working on one other thing that's unannounced. But like if you go, try to go to Killzone.com now, it just redirects you to like the Sony main website. So I think that's a sign that like Killzone yeah. has been retired. That's a coffin. Yeah. 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 Shadowfall was kind of the game that broke their back, though. Shadowfall was a solid game. I played it, it on launch on PS4. It just was... It was the launch title. It wasn't developed yeah. originally for the PS4, so it didn't feel next-gen. I mean, mm-hmm. it looked pretty next-gen to me at the time. Like, the graphics were really pretty, but... Yeah, gameplay-wise, I don't remember it being quite an evolution over the previous Killzone games. It really wasn't. Be- being a uh, being launch title but not planned as a launch title can kind of be a kiss of death, you know? Yeah. I mean, some games do it quite well. Like, see, Breath of the Wild. Or any Zelda game, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, well. The, Wii, the hardware of the Wii U and the hardware of the Switch were incredibly similar anyway. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if that's a fair case, but... Yeah, rest in peace, Killzone. Rest in peace. All right, my... Oh, you want to say something, Connor? I was going to say, I believe that puts us on number ones. Yes, my number one game is Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. This game is so, so special to me. Like, I have replayed it more than any game I think I've ever played. Like, I've replayed Uncharted 2 ten times at least, I would say. And that's being conservative. Like, this game set the standard for what the blockbuster action game was, like, going forward. Like, there was no action game, or there was no, like, action-adventure game like un- like Uncharted 2, you know, until that point, right? Like, especially when you think of, like, some of the set-piece moments, like, the train, like, the train moving through the terrain as you progress through the level. That was so innovative at the time. Like, no one was doing anything like that. And just, you know, the the story of, like, the Chintamani Stone and, like, the treasure hunt and Nate and Elena and, like, 
Sully and like all the characters really sort of came into their own. Like Uncharted One really sort of laid the groundwork, and Uncharted Two really just took off from that groundwork. Like Uncharted Two to me was the it was simultaneously the perfect sequel and the perfect like entry point into the franchise. I don't think you had had to have played Uncharted One to appreciate Uncharted Two. Obviously, you'd get more out of it, but like Uncharted, Uncharted 2, One is kind of the lame duck of the franchise. I, I would agree with that. But, like, I would argue, like, to any... I, I would hand Uncharted 2 to anyone, even if they haven't played video games before, and be like, play this. Like, I think it's a perfect jumping-in point to video games as well. Especially because it has, like, that pulpy narrative feel to it that really sort of sucks in, like, even the most, like, casual person who really doesn't touch video games. Yeah. Like, I've had, like can't even count the number of times I've been surrounded by friends playing Uncharted 2, and they're just watching and totally content, you know? Um, yeah. Really really great thing to have your friends over to do, it. That I mean, that's... We had fun. Yeah. No, I, I get it, but yeah. But, um, yeah, like... Like... Do, do, do you guys do you guys agree with my assessment that like action games weren't really what they were until uncharted 2 um mostly yeah i think uh i think weirdly enough devil may cry kind of laid down some foundation for that on the ps2 devil may cry 3 right but like set piece wise I, playable I've... set piece wise yeah they're uncharted definitely did it better than uh, um, Devil May Cry 3 did. But Devil I mean, May Cry Un- 3 certainly did do it. But I yeah. Mean, Unch- it- Uncharted 2 has one of the strongest hooks I've seen in a game, like at, le- at least in terms of set pieces, right? Like you start out with that derailed train and Nate's like hanging on the edge, covered in blood and snow, and you have to like climb your way out. Like what a way to open a game, you know? Like then it k- flashes back and you eventually work up to that point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I, I know I already said it before, but the standout moment to me, like when I first played this game, I just could not believe it was the train. Like just the fact that, okay, this train's actually going to be moving through the world in real time while I play the game and advance through the level. And it's actually going to like, it's not like just repeated stuff, right? It's actually like going on a route and it's like the train is changing around me. I was just like, oh my goodness, like I've never seen something like this in a video game before. But yeah, I guess that just didn't hit me as hard because I had played Uncharted 3 first and oh, I'd seen yeah. that plane scene. So like, yeah, I, I mean, obviously the plane scene blows this out of the water, but at the time, this was revolutionary. Yeah, that was the first one, yeah. yeah. Like, at the time, like, I had never, ever seen something like this in a video game, and I just, I, I was in love with it. Like, the lighthearted tone, like, just, Nathan Drake is such a great character. <laughs> like, he's so enjoyable to just put him in a situation and see what he does. You know, like he's one of those characters that's just always interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, he definitely is. Yeah. He is. He's very personable, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I could sing this game's praises all day. Like, I think if we made a top five of all time list, this game would probably be on there for me. Have we love, love, done love. That? No, we have, we've never done that. The the closest we got to that was our top five of the last decade. Maybe we could do a top five of all time. That would be a very spicy, spicy list. I feel. Yeah, like. I don't know if I could do that. I'm not very good at picking favorites. Yeah, I don't even know if I could do that to be honest. Like e- even like dividing it up into these 
broad chunks is sort of difficult to me. If I were to loop together everything, like, okay, yeah, choose between Zelda and Uncharted and, like, like how am I supposed to, you know, like... It's a, it's it 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 would be really tough. Maybe maybe one day. Yeah. But yeah, for now, like Uncharted Two among these will and forever will be my favorite PlayStation Three game. Uh, should I move on to mine then? Yeah, go for it. Um, my top is uh, believe it or not, Little Big Planet. Uh, specifically two, but uh, one. Well, I probably had more hours in one. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, specifically Little Big Planet bomb survival um, stages. Uh, I I loved those. I spent so many like just a stupid number of hours playing those as a kid. I just loved it so much. I loved that like it was just this one little game mode that like wasn't even like a default thing in the game that somebody else had come up with, but I could spend like 20 hours playing it and have a different experience every time. Bombs are like, I didn't, I, this is the first time hearing of it. So that goes to show a, you, I never experienced the full little big planet experience. It was a fairly common level type to make. And, um, it was basically just, you would build a stage. Sometimes it was like a tower with bombs in it that went off progressively and you like wanted to try to stay as high in the tower as you could sometimes it was like a train you were on that had bombs raining from the sky or something but it wasn't like a level with a start and an end it was just like survive as long as you could and you would constantly get points while you were alive and they were just stupid chaotic fun i really loved them they were super fun to do with some friends online or or even split screen or not split screen but co-op no i i totally respect the choice of putting little big planet 2 at the top because like in a sense it's it, uh, this is going to sound kind of weird, but it's similar to Minecraft in that, like, the experience really is what you make of it, right? Like, you could make all these custom levels and have fun with your friends and do all that. But, like, me, personally, I just sort of played the campaign in a few custom levels and didn't really play multiplayer ever. So my oh, you didn't play the totally game right different. then. Yeah. I mean, the campaign was garbage. You, you, you didn't yeah. see even – you didn't see 1% of what that game had to offer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I played some custom levels, but, like, you know, and I enjoyed it, but, like, I obviously I didn't dive as deep as you did. No, that, I mean, that's like picking people. up Mario Maker and playing the, the inbuilt Nintendo levels on the start screen and saying that you didn't like it. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I, I, I liked it. It was on my honorable mention list. I, I know, but it just, like, I just can't believe that you stopped there. Like, the whole game is the multiplayer and the... uh like the playing other people's levels and the level creator i think um i mean obviously the platforming mechanics in it are not as good as mario maker but the creation tools are better and like the stuff you can do is more broad because it was kind of physics based and everything and uh it was just super wide open you could it really did feel like you could do whatever you wanted especially in little big planet 2 and i also think it kind of defines that era of sony like it was between this and Uncharted for me, but yeah. Uncharted didn't go away. You know, the the bombastic cinematic experience kind of carried on, but yeah. Little Big Planet is a fairly uniquely PlayStation Three thing. Well, I would opinion. argue that its spirit lives on in dreams, right? Yes, but not to anywhere near the same extent, in my opinion. Uh, dreams is obviously a far more powerful tool, and the things people are making in it are cooler. 
but the community is nowhere near as good as Little Big Planet. Uh, I think that's unfortunate. You know, you'd think that the care community would carry over, and I'm sure media, uh, media media molecule was somewhat banking on that as well. But yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. From what I've heard, Dreams isn't like. I mean, it's it's a it's a great game, but the community just isn't there yet, which is a little unfortunate. I do think they would find more success if they sort of, uh, you know, like maybe bundled it with PlayStation Plus, made it free. It would really sort of blow up there, but that's a different discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to say, Connor? No, I mean, that's that's really it. Okay, Mike, what's uh, what's your... I guess My- yours isn't in an order, but... What's your last game? My last game is actually Ratchet and Clank: uh, Future Tools of Destruction, and nice. particular, it's one of those games that I had to pick between either what was it, Crack in Time, or Future Tools. But I think Future Tools of Destruction won out because I played it more. Yeah. It you just uh, it's it's Ratchet and Clank. Like I don't know what else I can say about it. It was the sort of return of Ratchet and Clank, right? They yeah. were kind of go- gone for a while before that game. Yeah, Ratchet. And, that was the next gen Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. It was the future, basically. <laughs> wow, title. Um, but it actually set up like a three-game plot arc, which was at that point kind of unheard of because the first three Ratchet and Clanks were kind of, kind of separate, separate but connected, almost. Mm-hmm. Which I guess was okay, and then he had Deadlocked in the middle. But it was it was a return to form because Deadlocked didn't have any of the platforming or anything. And then you just reach uh, uh, Future Tools, and all of a sudden it's the game again with all the elements from Deadlocked that people liked and none of the bad parts. Yeah, you know, fun fact: Future Tools of Destruction was actually my first Ratchet and Clank game. It was not mine. So yeah, I never, I actually never played the PS2 games. So uh, yeah, that was my first experience with Ratchet and Clank, and it made me immediately regret never getting into the other ones as a as a child. Well, it introduced all the wacky, a lot of wacky weapons like the Groovitron. Groovitron like, is great. The things that Somniac thought of, and the little attentions to details in that game, because the Groovitron had a different animation. For every single enemy, and I think right. that was actually yeah, a I love that stuff. Yeah, there was a challenge for seeing all the dances, which at that point, young young Michael was just blown away. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like even even the bosses were affected by the Grivitron, right? Yeah. You could so actually, like literally uh, any enemy in the game, you throw this bomb and they like forced a dance for um, like a hot second. What was it? <laughs> the the Visicopter, Visicopter, or whatever. It's a little the drone that you can control. You were actually uh, immune to damage while you were operating that drone. So I used it to cheese like three quarters of the health bar of the final boss. Yeah. Because why not? Everything in that game, like, even every gun was useful. Wasn't I think there was like a whip or that might have been deadlocked. There were the claws. I remember the claws. I... <laughs> I'd have to look at a weapon list to really, like, nostalgically remember the game because I haven't played it in so long. 
but <laughs> it's ugh. So it was really a return to form for the entire series. So nice had some nice set pieces. Don't know what else there is to say. I haven't played it. I uh, I really like Ratchet and Clank. And I remember seeing the demo for this and it being like one of the reasons I bought my PS3, but I, I never ended up actually getting it because I didn't have any money. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think Ratchet and Clank, it, it, it's really special in the sense that like it's one of the few franchises that is on every Sony console, right? Like, except for the PS1, right? Yeah. But like ever since, you know, like we've seen Jack and Daxter you know, <clears throat> extended a little into the PS3 era, but, like, it was mostly a PS2 era game. Uncharted looks to be mostly, like, PS3, a little PS4 era game, but, like, Ratchet and Clank, Insomniac, you know, keeps it interesting, keeps it fresh, and keeps it relevant across console generations, and I think that's a really special and unique thing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that he never, Ratchet never got really a fair shake at being the PlayStation mascot, you know? I mean, I I definitely think he was like a contender in the PS2 era, right? Like, who yeah. else was the mascot? I, it had to have been Ratchet and Clank, right? I mean, in the PS2 era. No, because there was a um, Jack, Jack and Daxter. Daxter yeah, but like, I feel like Ratchet. And, I feel like Ratchet and Clank was more popular than Jack and Daxter in terms of like a you know like a platformer mascot. I mean, I, I think of Kratos and Dante a lot more than I think of Ratchet. Uh, yeah, I that, think of I, PS2. That's fair. Yeah, like I think of Dante and the Kratos a lot when I think of the PS2. But I think you know, I just like think of Dante. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think, think of Ratchet and Clank is one of those. Ratchet and Clank and Jack is like, which is kind of funny because Dante only got one really good game on the PS2. Like yeah. Devil May Cry One was okay. Devil May Cry Three was amazing. Devil May Cry Two was terrible. <laughs> I'm I'm different for like the PS2 era. I think Jack and Daxter and Ratchet were good. Like, if I think of the PS2, I think of those two games. Yeah. Yeah. Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, and Ratchet. That's like the holy grail Sly- of PS2 platformers right there. I wanted to talk about the Sly Cooper trilogy uh, on PS3 because the only way I've played those games is in the HD remake uh, for the PS3, but I, I left it off because it was a a collection of PS2 games. Yeah. So that's one of my. Ha, have have we all played? Do we did we all own a PS2? Just keeping in mind for future episodes, maybe. I did not get a PS2 until like 2015. <laughs> okay. Well, you still add one, so. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I haven't played five games on it. I okay I played like Destroy Humans one and two, which I am not going to talk about separately. I hated Kingdom Hearts, and that's it. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I think that's. I think those are some pretty solid games in each of our lists. I think uh, be interesting to hear, you know, some of our audience lists if they've owned a PS3. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. Like, how how do you guys feel about these ranking episodes? I always enjoy doing them and just learning what everyone's opinions are. I like them. This one was weird for me because I just haven't played a ton of PlayStation games. Yeah, you're definitely more Nintendo focused, right? And, and there's plenty. And PC, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, PC's tough to do a ranking for because how would you divide it up, right? I mean, I don't know. PC, uh, the games are. It follows console. It's split into general. Like, yeah. It, it's more incremental, I guess, but you can tell, like, the games get a little better when the next gen consoles come out just because, you know, they actually use your hardware a little better. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, for future episodes, we could definitely tap more into Nintendo consoles as well. Yeah. 
it's just kind of unfortunate. I don't think we'll ever have an Xbox One because I don't think all of us have owned the same Xbox console. I have never owned any Xbox console. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, there you have it. But yeah, those are our top five PS3 games. Do we want to go into what we've been playing? Sure. Uh, I've been playing more Minecraft, and uh, I just kind of have more to say about it than I did last week. I uh, So I've always been really into modded Minecraft. I liked Feed the Beast, and I liked Tech It. Have you guys had any experience with either of those? Yes. So I, I figured you would, Mike. Have you, Amid? Do you I know don't what that is? think so. So... I figured Mike would be into it because it's what got me into Satisfactory. Uh, both of those mods have big... Indu- they're mod packs, and both of those mod packs have big industrial mods in them. And something I love in Minecraft is automating things. I love to just be able to sit back and let it happen. You know, let the game happen and, you know, check in on my progress every once in a while. And uh, I haven't played vanilla Minecraft in a really long time. And as it turns out, they have added a lot of, um, I don't know if it's really intentional. I mean, some of it, there are ways to exploit quirky game mechanics in a way that is, it's probably still there intentionally, but may not have been intentional to begin with. But it's really fun to make, like, automated farms and stuff. They added an item that I never got to mess with. This was added ages ago called a hopper. And a hopper will pick up whatever lands on top of it and put it in right. uh, whatever it's connected to. I'm familiar, yeah, I'm familiar with hoppers. And so, like, the first automated thing I did was I made a chicken farm that uh, had lava above it, and the baby chickens were short enough not to be killed by the lava, but the second they grew into adulthood, they would catch <laughs> on fire and die. Wow. And they would drop their cooked chicken and feathers into a hopper, and... I put a bunch of adult chickens in another container, and I'm just catching their eggs and immediately using a dispenser on a redstone circuit so that the dispenser fires as soon as it has anything in it to shoot the eggs into that smaller container to get just infinite chicken that I never have to check on. Like, it just works. And uh, I think that that's awesome. Uh, I've moved on to a couple other automated things. I was super struggling with EXP uh, because it's super... I think it's harder to get on the Bedrock version, which is what I'm playing on, than it is on Java. And uh, it's just super slow to kill enemies and get EXP, and you just need a lot of it to enchant your stuff. But I found out that cooking a potato gives you 0.3 EXP. So I set up a farm, and if you put a farmer villager on a farm, they pick your crops. And a farmer villager will also share food with another villager if that villager doesn't have enough food. So you can trap a farmer villager in a farm, and you can trap another villager where he can throw food to that other to him and then put hoppers underneath that villager to catch the food before they ever get it. And so I have an automated potato farm and I have it feeding straight into furnaces and uh, just mass producing baked potatoes. Automated get- uh, potato farm built off the backs of starving your constituency. It is slave- yeah, it's slave labor. Yes, but that's fine. Um, and I... Uh, I have that. It's super finicky, and I can't figure out, like, why. It's not working right now, I don't believe. And I can't figure out why. But, uh, because I think some updates recently broke it, kind of. It it works on and off. But, uh, and I also think that uh, multiplayer, like, connection to a server and stuff affects whether or not it'll work a little bit. So it's a little hazy. 
But I, I love that it's a possibility even, you know, and that I can just go take these potatoes out and get showered in EXP. I can get like from level one to level 30 in less than like three minutes or something by just eating some potatoes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And uh, level 30 is like the highest relevant level. And, and then there's other stuff like playing with levels. I never did like that last time I played Minecraft getting full diamond armor almost felt like a waste of time to me because it was just going to go away eventually. Like, I was never going to have enough diamonds that I was willing to regularly waste, like, 28 or whatever it takes to make a full suit of armor. So I typically just had iron armor and diamond pick and stuff. But since then, they've added some enchantments that make diamond armor... Like, there's, a, there's a, an enchantment called Unbreaking, which makes stuff right. take damage way slower. But the key one that really changed the game for me is one called Mending. And Mending lets you convert experience when you pick it up into durability. Right. So yeah. I can just go pick up my potatoes and suddenly my armor is fully repaired and my pickaxe is fully repaired and everything. So I don't spend diamonds anymore. And there's also enchantments that make you mine faster. And so like I, I can nearly insta mine uh, most blocks now. And so, you know, finding diamonds doesn't take me any time at all. So I just have like way more than I ever had before. And, like, there's a little bit lost there. Like, it's not nearly as exciting finding diamonds now. And it's, like, way more efficient to mine now than it is to explore caves and stuff. Which may change in the next update, the Caves and Cliffs update. But I really do think that the team handling Minecraft since Notch left is... It's a, it's a game now. Like, it has balance. It has, like, a progression that makes sense and is fun. Stuff that, like... Minecraft was always super fun because you made your own fun, but now there's, like, a ton of, like, reasonable goals to set for yourself and, like, an actual progression ladder that makes sense to climb that you're not going to get pushed back down immediately. Yeah. And, and don't even get me... Like, they added, like, last time I played, the end was just the dragon, and then there's no reason to ever go back. And now they've added, like, end cities where you can get wings. And Really? Like, yeah, you can get wings from the end cities. And uh, you put those Elit wings on. Elytra wings, right? Elytra, yeah. And if you have fireworks rockets, you can straight up just fly. Like, Yeah, I think that was, yeah, back when I, uh, the last time I played with my friend's server, I think that was a thing. And that was lots of fun. Yeah, and, and that, like, that just changes the whole game. Like, suddenly I have that, and, like, I don't have to build, like, massive roads and stuff to make it less annoying to travel between multiple bases if I want to build those. I can just fly there. In, like, no time at all. It's a huge game changer. I, I really like all the... All the post-1.0 updates to Minecraft have been incredible. And I, yeah, I feel I like agree. I've seriously slept on them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely nostalgic for the old days that were, like, really simple. But, like, I think all the updates are really good ones. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I always played modded Minecraft and stuff back in the old days because I thought vanilla was too simple. Kinda. Like, you, you got to Diamond Gear, and then, you know, what what did you do after that, really, other than build stuff? And that just wasn't <clears throat> enough for me. But they've added... They found a way to maintain that simplicity, in my opinion, while still adding a bunch of stuff that, like, totally does not get in your way. If you want to play Minecraft the way you're used to playing Minecraft, then this stuff, you don't even have to ignore it. Because it just doesn't show up unless you want it to. Like, and I think that's incredible. I, I think they've done an amazing job of 
maintaining that vanilla feel while incorporating some things from those mods that I loved, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm in love with it right now. I can't quit playing it. I, uh, I've been AFKing the whole podcast trying to get my, uh, see, see if my potato farm will work again. Are you, are you playing in that server you mentioned you'd set up? Yeah, yeah, I can shoot you an invite if you want. Well, actually, I was going to say, I would join you if I wasn't completely sucked into Hitman. Yeah, those games so, are good. Uh, okay, so I've been playing... So I Okay, full context, I bought Hitman 3, and in Hitman 3, you get access to Hitman 1 and 2 if you'd previously bought them. And the cool thing is... You get the graphical updates and all that goodness that comes with Hitman 3 applied to the old maps. So yeah, if it's you, not just graphical mm, updates, it's gameplay improvements as well. Yeah. So basically, for someone like me, who had previously only seen a little gameplay and only played the tutorial level, I basically have three Hitman games to go through. Yeah, and every level is, like, yes. sort of better than the last, like... Um, well, okay, so let me, let me, let me clarify. Right now, I've gone all the way through Hitman 1, I am okay. almost all the way through Hitman, no, I did go all the way through Hitman 2, and I'm finishing up the Hitman 2 DLC. So, I will probably I there get, was DLC. there are two maps, and they're excellent. I'll have to check uh, that out. I'm so, buy yeah, those. so, just really quick, the first map is like a, a bank heist scenario, like a oh. bank robbery. And it's it's just so good. Like, there's so many ways in, and there's so many different ways to go about it, like there are for every other map. But it's like this giant, like, wealthy bank in New York, and it's just oh, perfect. That's a really good one. My, yeah. I, I still... <clears throat> what did you think of the last map of Hitman 1? I, I think that game's old enough we can Hokkaido? Talk about it. Yes, Hokkaido blew me away. The, the surgery... Yeah, yes, like, oh my that god. Whole, and it was so built around, like, the mechanics of that game. Like, the way your clothing was so critical to everything. Yeah. No, that, this, that map this is game, brilliant. So I'm, I'm just going to steal a phrase I heard from a uh, GameSpot review. These games are level design masterclasses. Oh, yeah. Like these, this like you can't do level design better than Hitman. Like I don't think like, in terms of like, these some of these levels are absolutely huge, but they're so interconnected and there's so many different ways to go about things. I don't even think like, like I don't think it's possible for two playthroughs of a Hitman level to be exactly the same. Like that's just how much more that's just how much dynamism there is in this game. Like if you and I played the same levels. You know, like, there's no way we do the same things in our playthroughs. They'd probably not, be not complete... on our first playthrough, no. Yeah, they'd probably be completely different, right? Yeah, yeah I and mean, like, especially if we have mission stories turned off. Like, yeah, I, and I, I think I, that there's no way. I mean, even with mission stories on, I think it's incredibly unlikely yes. that you and I finished Paris the same way the first time. Like, yeah. And it's just like even the worst Hitman maps are still phenomenal levels. <laughs> like right, yeah. When like, I, think I have my preferences. Maps, I think of the the slums. I forget what. Um, um. Uh. So in Hitman Two, that would be. Uh, oh, that's in, Hitman Two. India, right? Right. Yeah, and, and there's like a there's like a a war about to break out, kind of, and like you move between the military base and the slums a little bit. And uh, oh wait, so that might actually be. I believe it's Hitman so, One. Yeah, so in Hit that might be Marrakesh. Yes, Marrakesh. Yeah. I think that I think of that as the worst level in Hitman One, and I still have like an extremely memorable experience. And like, 
intend to go back and get all the mission stories yeah. and everything. No, like like hundred percent agree that like even the worst Hitman levels are extremely good <laughs> levels, right? But like obviously I have my preferences, right? Like Paris, which is the first level in Hitman One, was obviously a standout, but like it's immediately followed up by Sapienza, which is even better in my opinion. Like Sapienza is phenomenal. And then, like, I, I think the next highlight for me was definitely Hokkaido, the last level in Hitman 1. That just blew my mind. Like, the the way I got the kill in that level was insane. I ended up, like, crushing his heart with my bare hands. Oh, yeah, on Hokkaido. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hokkaido is so good. And Hokkaido like, is just, one just, that, like... Yeah, just the concept of, like, a futuristic, like, Japanese like yeah. hotel slash hospital was just so like situated in like the mountains is such a fascinating thing like and moving like a ghost through that level feels more rewarding than any other level because the security is so tight but like if you have a plan and execute it you can make it completely effortless right so and, the like, unique unique thing about hokkaido and they do that a couple this a couple times in future levels but like this is the first time where you start out with nothing right like you can't even smuggle in your 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 silence pistol or your like fiber wire like you just start out as like a patient with nothing and you just have to like gather intel and work your way through the level and eventually like you know assassinate what you need to do but like yeah hokkaido is such a special level like and then like and then i immediately immediately jumped into hitman 2 and even then, I think we have some classics in Hitman 2 as well. Like, I, I enjoyed all the levels, obviously, but, like, Miami don't, don't, was Don't go standard. too far into it. I haven't finished Hitman 2. Okay. But, like, I, I've played, like, the first two levels, I think. I've played so, Miami. So you've played Miami. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Miami was phenomenal. Um, and, and then, for Connor's sake, I won't go into any of the other levels. But I will say the DLC levels that I'm playing right now, like uh, New York, which is the bank scenario, phenomenal. And I'm currently on, like, at this very moment... I think it's the Maldives. It's like an island resort, and th- that one's shaping up to be incredible as well. So the DLC absolutely is a must-buy, I think. Yeah, I, I have to, yeah. <laughs> Especially since I don't know that I have it. But uh, the thing that... The only thing I'm going to penalize the Hitman series for is that Hitman 3 is an Epic Game Store exclusive. I Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, well, I don't care about that that much. But I own Hitman 1 and 2 on Steam, Oh, that's and I cannot transfer that purchase yet over to Epic Game Store. Now, they did do one thing to make that pill a little easier to swallow. If you bought it week one, you got Hitman 1, just right off the bat. Okay, just, just one? Just one. But what's even more confusing is that you can go on their website and carry over your progression. So I have my progression from Hitman 1 and 2 in Hitman 3. I have the levels from Hitman 1. I do not have the levels from Hitman 2. Yeah, that's kind of a mess. It's just stupid. And I I think it's... I'm not entirely sure it's all IOI's fault, because I will say the Epic Game Store has had serious problems getting the functionality that it needs to do certain things. And so I don't know that IOI even has the ability to just give me a code that I could enter and get yeah. a game on Epic Game Store. So I'm going to I'm going to pin the blame on Epic mainly because Bio Interactive has been has largely been like slammed for their always online functionality, but that always online functionality were they allowed to would have totally mitigated this, you know? This would this would have been a non-issue if Epic hadn't been lame about it. 
Yeah, and I will say, like, even on PS5, like, getting all of your the, your stuff from the previous games was a little bit of a headache, but, like... Did you have to go to the website and stuff? No, I, I, I did it all through the PlayStation, but, like, for Hitman 1, for my levels to carry over, and, you know, like I said, I hadn't played them before, it was just, like, the levels themselves, not my progress, because I had no progress. But, like, for Hitman 1, I had to actually install the game, start it up, and then I would be able to, like, redeem, like, the Hitman 1 levels in Hitman 3. That was the only sort of snag I hit, but, like, other than that, I got all all of Hitman inside of Hitman 3, and it's glorious. And, uh, yeah, I'm just so looking forward to starting Hitman 3, because, like, everything I've heard, it's even better than 1 and 2, which is just awesome to hear. Like, it's already pretty perfect in my eyes, so... Yeah, I, I don't know if I mentioned, they are working on getting a way for me to get Hitman 2. It's just not there yet. Okay, yeah, that's good. So I, I will have it, it's just going to be a few weeks. So and it really you know, was like, a, a buy a game and then not play it, you know? And, I, and, I, and, yeah, and you know, just to sort of end on a, an, an, on a another happy note, uh, you know, we've talked about in the past, like, some of the financial troubles IOI has had. Oh, it's right. already made its money back. I yeah, saw that. Yeah, so like it's already made all of its money back. The development also, costs have been completely recouped for Hitman Three, which is great because like people are finally turning it, like tuning into this phenomenal series. This also, is the, the, also this, the first this, game that IO Interactive, the first Hitman game that is entirely self-published, which makes it technically an indie game. That's awesome. Yeah, I will but, also say. I, I just wanted to say really quick, the story is, like, total garbage, but, like, I don't care at all. Like I, just, I don't remember scared. a word of the story. Yeah, I, like, yeah it's, and it's they not... devote, like, a weird amount of time to it. Like, I sit through it just because, but, like, it's totally there. I'm totally there for, like, the missions and, like, the assassinations and stuff like that and the levels. It, it's weird because it's not that they can't write a story because every individual story in the levels, like, taken it, as— Oh, yeah, the, those are great. Those are amazing. But like the overarching story, like it's just like it's just, it's like Metal Gear levels of nonsense. It's like, oh, this shadow organization actually controls the world. Oh no, what's, this shadow you know what's organization. Really weird? I, I will sit here and I will let you say that that's absolute nonsense. But I will not play Hitman Three before I finish Hitman Two. Oh no, like yeah, I haven't touched Hitman Three yet because I wanted to go through the entire series, and I'm totally glad I did. Like, yeah, like the only I think the if I were to the 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 lowest I would rank a Hitman map is probably the first map in Hitman 1, and you played that, right? Which is just, like, the, the house. No, no, the, oh, sorry, the first map not, in Hitman 2. I don't even count 2. that. Yeah, that's just a yeah. tutorial. I, it's, like, I, a tutorial level? Yeah. And it, I mean, it, which sucks, because it counts as one of the six maps, and, and it's good for what it is, but it's definitely not as fleshed out as the other maps. I, I don't think they charged for that one, because uh, Hitman 1 was released episodic. Yeah, and uh, Paris was episode one. I believe that was Paris? just a free demo that everyone got. That what first an moment. opener! You know, like it, how could you like if, if that was episodic and you come out and like come out with Paris and people play that? How could they not immediately want to buy the rest I, of the episode? I do kind of hate that the the episodic model failed because no game could do it better than Hitman because it the episodic model gives you like. Like, now, every time I beat a level, I have to, like, make a conscious choice. Like, do I want to play the next level, or do I want to, like, do this one again with all the new the new cool stuff I've learned about it? And, like, that's why I haven't beaten Hitman 2, is because I kept going back to the older levels to... Yeah, I mean, like, and, and that's the insane part, too, about these games. The replay value is just off the charts. You know, like, I've had to resist the urge to go back and replay levels, like, as yeah. I've been going this year. And, you know, I have replayed a couple levels. It's just, yeah. like... Each level can be played 
dozens of completely different ways, and it's just sort of shocking that that's how dynamic the game really is. Is it Hitman 1 or 2 that has the neighborhood? Hitman 2. Yeah, that level? Yeah, that was great. That's Uh, just so... There's just so many options, and there's so much going on that, like, at a glance seems totally unrelated, but, like, you can still totally use it to your advantage. Like, the dude running for mayor? That's not a part of, like... Yeah. I will say that they're, like, the only sort of nitpick would be, like, there have been more, like, U.S. environments than any other country. Yeah. It'd be nice to see more exotic places. Like, we got this... I mean, don't get me wrong. The U.S. maps were all great. We had, like, Colorado in the first game with, like, the militia camp. And then I actually we'll, don't love Colorado. I, I it, think it, back, it was that's okay. my least favorite map in the first yeah. one. Yeah. Colorado was just okay. And then we had Wilden Creek and Hitman 2, and then the Hitman 2 DLC is a bank in New York. So that's three USA maps. See, but, I don't like, really care... I'll give you that Hokkaido is, like, uniquely interesting as outside of the U.S., but, like, Miami, for instance. Like, oh, yeah, if that had, Miami as well. Forgot about my, that. Miami could have been in Italy, you know? Like, there's a racing scene there and stuff, and it could have been, like, exactly the same. Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's more the concept of, like, racing stadium. You know, like, the, the, the set piece is the level itself, right? Like, yeah, the, the country it takes place in. And I, I feel that way about the bank, too. I don't really care what country the bank is in, you know? Or what that's city. true like for, for for things like a bank or like a racing city it could be anywhere but like it's things like you know when you have mumbai and you're actually on the streets of india or you're like you know uh sapienza and you're like in that beautiful like italian sort of vista oh, yeah so like I, I do think so... the location depending on what they do does have an impact you know and sapienza. i would like yeah sapienza so big too yeah yeah like some of the the size of some of these levels is just mind-boggling when you consider that like it's that big and it's like that complex right because like there's it's never just big with empty space if it's big there's like an interlocking web of things happening in that space and i'm gonna tell you right now you need to go back and play hitman blood money sometime really okay because it, it it is just it's a little convoluted compared to the new games. It's not as straightforward a lot at a lot of ways. But it um and it's harder. You you get rewarded for different stuff like um like I don't think you get a reward in the new games, but like Hitman Blood Money to get like the full per- completion for the level, you have to go and get your suit back and you have to leave the level in the clothes you came in with. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, so okay. like it's just another thing you're keeping track of. And it also, you don't have that vision that tells you who your targets are. So you can go into a level and not immediately know which person you need to kill. And you have to figure that out. That's really cool. It gives you like a picture of them at the beginning. But yeah, you have to be able to find them with these PS2 era graphics or, PS, or PS3, I forget. They're not good. <laughs> and um, so that that's another complication. And just, but even with that like limited tool set and stuff, they're able to create these levels that are exactly as good as the new ones, in my opinion. They're smaller scale, but like the the level that's a standout in Blood Money for me is um there's a a play going on, and one of the actors is somebody you have to kill, and uh, yeah. like while they're on stage, like it's it's yeah. intense. It's no. so good. These games are so special. I, I'm kind of shocked that I'm finally just now getting into them in 2021, but like better late yeah. than never, I guess. Hit, Hitman Blood Money is extremely cheap on Steam sales too, so like you should pick it up. It's super good. Yeah, I yeah. If I'm I if I'm thirsting for more Hitman after this, which I probably will be, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. 
And I, I would get it on PC because uh, the the increase in resolution and frame rate super yeah. nice. <laughs> you know, oh, playing okay. it in 4K and everything. And yeah. another wonderful thing about Hitman on PS5, it is 60 frames per second, which is great. Yeah, it needs it because those worlds are glorious. Yeah. Um, one last comment I want on want to make the something I didn't expect. Those games are really funny. Like the oh, dialogue yeah. is very super dark humor. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Have I you, mean, there's, um, there's some dialogue in the in the in the in the bank level that cracked me up. Do you care if I spoil it or? Do you want no, to go for it? No. So like you go up to open an account and he's like, okay, what's the name, sir? Mr. Reaper. Right. Yeah. And then he's just like, uh, what business are you in? <laughs> it was like, I'm in the retirement business. It's like, <laughs> Oh, so, so, so you, you just like, just like us here at the bank, you know, like, and then like, <clears throat> like just, just really witty dry humor like that like i know really... but i love the 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 weird skill sets that uh he has like there's a level i think i forget which one it was but you're trying to kill a guy in a band and um you imper- you can impersonate his drummer and like i sat down at the drums and i was like what's going to happen here and 47 just he's amazing at the drums he can play yeah. a drum set <laughs> He's a very talented and funny individual, yeah, and it, I also think it's, it's hilarious. Everyone's all, always commenting on like how good he looks. Yeah. Like everyone, like like just casually, like girls and guys alike are always just like, "Wow, you look amazing." It's like people don't usually do that, like in normal conversation on the streets. But okay. I love Hitman. It's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Mike. All right, so after that long Hitman talk, I'm going to talk about... I got back into ARK. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man, it was a how regretful do you feel decision. About, how do you feel about Vin Diesel making an ARK game? I don't like I, it. I, I, I don't like <laughs> it at all. <laughs> Dude, apparently, apparently all, he, he's, like, it. super invested in ARK. Like, he, he's legitimately, like, into it for some reason. Really? That's a yeah, super like, Vin like Diesel that's, thing. Yeah, that's like not a joke. Like he's I, a, like that's why he's involved, you know. I I feel a little indifferent about Ark because Ark has a lot of problems they never fixed. And problems that they did fix, they end up breaking something else in another mode. Could you pitch Ark to me cuz I don't even know what it is. Like it's got dinosaurs, right? Like that yeah, that's all I know. I uh, more than dinosaurs now. It's it's a survival game set in this wacky alien world basically. And, and it's like dinosaurs and crap. It's online, right? Like a yeah, MMO, online. kind of. Kind of an MMO. Yeah. Server-based. But it, it originally just started as this survival game of dinosaurs on, like, an island. And now it's evolved into this weird mismatch of fantasy creatures, dinosaurs. <laughs> okay. Just aliens. <laughs> robot dinosaurs. <laughs> there's all an explanation for this i promise but it's hard to explain that'll take uh kojima levels of galaxy brain to tie together yeah, yeah i might just have to watch a review video because i just don't get it adding stuff in dlc which the dlc is expensive so i haven't played it but i <laughs> i can't pitch it it's hard to pitch i get it confused with tarok a lot just because of the dinosaurs that's just the dinosaurs there, there's no diff, There's no similarity between the two, though. Okay. Like, 
right now we figured out that we could put uh, images from outside the game into paintings and flags in game. So we we have the power to do whatever we want. Yeah, I'm sure you're using that power for good. Yes, <laughs> I promise. It's for good. <laughs> we totally don't have some elude images somewhere in this base for some people to find. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, um, you can also paint dinos, so we also have a dino dinosaur painted. Nice. Can you ride the dinosaurs? Yes, you can ride the dinosaurs. Okay, Why wouldn't you be able to ride the dinosaurs? I don't know. Sometimes they forget the easy stuff. Like I have a there's I'm literally looking at a robot stegosaurus right now. <laughs> nice. Because game is weird. Uh, although my problems with it mostly stem from like them nerfing things or them attempting to fix things for PvP and then breaking it for PvE, or vice versa. Maybe they'll learn for the sequel, but probably not. They also, they also on don't if you're gonna play Ark, don't play on default servers ever. That's just good advice in general. Because default servers have, when I started playing, there were one times harvest rate, which means you could spend a hundred hours into the game, roughly. And not even begin to touch endgame if you're playing solo. Wow. And say taming di- some dinosaurs was a 16 hour adventure. Like you had sounds to sit very, uh, and watch it for 16 hours. It sounds like something out of an MMO. Yeah. But on but they recently, I think on defaults, they raised their rates to two times, and I'm playing on a five time server, which means everything that matters is five times faster. So if I cut down a tree, I get five times the amount of wood. I get five times the experience. Everything tames five, t- five times as fast. So it's a lot better of a game and it feels better to play. Instead of, I gotta wait 16 hours for this thing to like me. I can just wait a couple minutes. <laughs> but it's it's hard to describe. Other than uh, dinosaurs, build base, survive, don't die. But how do the alien dinosaurs and robot dinosaurs tie into all of this? That's the question. Well, uh, you are stuck on an alien world. Well, there's things. The arc is like the titular. Like think of it like a halo ring almost. I yeah. think that's the best way to describe it as like a halo ring where it's just a self-contained world that <laughs> some aliens threw together and grabbed some stuff from Earth and thought, good enough. I, it might have been aliens. It might have been other people. I don't know the story that well. But yeah, it's just a bunch of 18th century people who have brought been brought into this weird world. Might have to check it out. I don't know. I, I It's something I've like had my eye on just barely for years now, and I've just never picked it up. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. You're still putting effort into it. You're really selling it, Mike. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Not, it's not a, not a zero out of ten for me. You can, you can put that on the back of the box. You, you, know, you know a game's not bad when I don't immediately rail on it. 
Like yeah, that's, that's actually true, yeah. Like so not bad. I just completely railed on. Not bad out of 10. Yeah, not, not bad for Mike is like 8 out of 10, I would say. No, it's like a 6. I give it yeah, a I was going to say. It may be an 8 out of 10 on your scale, Amid, but a 6 on ours. It's it's like a 6. It's not... Yeah, my, my scale is definitely more generous than your guys's, but... Yeah. It's not a good game, but it's a game that's... <laughs> it's, okay, a game. it's a game. <laughs> it's not a good game. I like quite a lot that are a six. So yeah, uh, before we round off, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Dunky on YouTube. Check out his Metal Gear Solid recap if you are at all interested in the plot of Metal Gear Solid. Because as absurd the things were that I said today, like. It was all completely accurate, and Dunky sums it all up in a way that's totally absurd, but 100% accurate to the actual plot. I think I've seen that video, and I thought he was just making it up. No, it is 100% accurate. Like, that video is 100... Like, it sounds like gibberish, but, like, that truly is the plot to Metal Gear Solid. Wow. So, uh... Yeah, Shout out to that video. (laughs) Because Metal Gear Solid 3 goes back in... to... is before the events of Metal Gear Solid 1... Yes, it's 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 just like you 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 need to have like an AI decode like you the entire a, plot to fully understand it. Yeah, or you have to just be completely insane. Either one. Yeah. All right, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, and click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thanks, Connor and Mike. Yep. See you guys next week. Catch you next time. See ya.